If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This is a section of Scripture a lot of times we read through and we just assume we didn't read it. You ever met a verse like that in the Bible? You say, oh, this verse just sort of always bothers me or, you know, I'm not sure what it means and everything. So we're going to look at it today a little bit of what it means and what it's about. But I would like to talk to you the difference today between religion and Christianity. Do you know there's a difference? Religion and Christianity are not the same thing. There's a, a friend of mine sent me a thing, and I have been trying to talk to him. He was a fireman friend of mine. I've been talking to him for years, and I'm wanting him to be saved and explain to him that, that God loves him and, and all the rest. And he just can't get it. He just can't accept it. it his story is, is that, that the Bible was just written by man to manipulate man to do what they want him to do. And that's his view of the Bible. That's his view of, of what religion is. And you know what I told him? He's exactly right. If that's your view that you manipulate others for selfish gain, that's exactly what religion is. But that's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is not about a religion. You say, Brother Kenny, you're blowing. You're, we're way out there today. I'll explain. Just hold on. See, religion is something that someone does for personal or selfish gain. They manipulate others or something for personal or selfish gain. We see it uh, because of religion, wars are started. Because of religion, people are tortured. Because of religion, people are excluded from one group or another. And see, I might... Uh, this, this message that made me think, made me look at it a little bit. What am I doing? How do I respond? You know, we, we, because of the name of religion, I don't think I can associate with other people sometimes. Huh. The Bible does tell us not to be, uh, to be in the world, but not of the world. But it doesn't tell us to disassociate ourselves from people. The Bible tells me that whosoever may come. That Christ died for everyone. So we can't exclude anyone. Uh, somebody asked me one time, what would you do, brother, if, a, if a gay people wanted to come to your church? They're welcome to come. That's just the way it is. God loves them and so do I. I don't agree with what they're doing. They'll never hold a place of leadership in this church. But I hope they hear the gospel and they get saved. That's the way it is. I, I can't exclude them. I can't, just like I couldn't exclude anyone else, God does not exclude them. But religion will exclude. Religion, uh, and then you can go into cults that just really exclude, that you can't, you can't go in and talk to anybody else that doesn't believe like you do. And if you leave our faith, we disown you. That's an occult. But I want to talk about the difference between religion and Christianity. See, Christ had this problem. The Pharisees were very religious, but he was the, they were the biggest problem Christ faced. Look at Paul. Was he not a Pharisee of Pharisees? Was he not a, a, a scribe? Was he not well-versed in the Old Testament law and all the rest? But the fact is, uh, before the road to Damascus, Paul was dying on his way to hell because he was living religion and not Christianity. 
Y'all are pretty quiet this morning. Have I got your interest yet? So let's look at it and see what we're talking about. Jesus is speaking. He has just uh, preached a, a chapter before on the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's continuing on and finishing up. He says, Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate. I'm sorry, I'm in verse 13 if I didn't tell you that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which goeth thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but outwardly they are raging, raving wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or, or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Every, <clears throat> a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, he says again, wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Listen to these next few verses. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day. He's talking about the last day, the day of judgment. Lord, Lord, have we not... Listen to what they do. Prophesied in thy name. In thy name have we not cast out devils. In thy name done wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye, work of, ye, work, ye that work iniquity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I'm asking you this morning that you would speak through me. Lord, uh, not my words, but your words. I, as we read your word and your message to us, I pray, Father, that you would just bring it to light. Lord, help us to understand these very difficult verses, these trying verses, Lord, that makes us search our own souls, or our own hearts, to say, am, am I going to be one that will stand before you one day? How will you respond to, to my life? Lord, I, we stand here in your mercy and in your grace. We stand here alone in the name of Jesus, who died for our sins on the cross, and we proclaim your word. Lord, don't let us be just hearers of this word, but doers also. Be with us in the next few minutes as we let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us in the truth of what we see here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You see, this is a very important message. And I might be understand preaching to the choir. But I know you have friends and I know you have family. What will their God's answer to them be when they stand before him one day? What will it be to you? Will he know you? Would you be one of them that would say, Depart from me, ye, work, ye that work iniquity? 
See, what he's talking about, what the, the ones that are doing it, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done wonderful work? Let me tell you, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. God's word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. At the name of Jesus, Satan and his demons tremble. But we learn in Acts where there's a man, he saw the disciples doing wonderful things and healing and casting out demons and he thought for his own personal gain, I'm going to try that. So he started charging people to cast out demons. Well, he got to one man who was going to cast out a demon and he said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him is pretty much what he's saying. I'm paraphrasing. Here's what the demon said. He said, in the name of Jesus and Paul, I... I command you to come out of this man. The demon says, Paul we know. We know who Paul is. Jesus we know. And we obey. But who are you? So we know at the name of Jesus, demons tremble. We see that right here in these verses. At the name of Jesus, many wonderful things will be done. God's word will not return void. But who are you? Is he in you? Do, is, he, is Jesus associated with you? The demons know this. They beat the guy up and sent him down the naked, down the road. You read the story. He was no more, he would be one of those that Jesus would say, depart from me, you that work iniquity, for I never knew you. See, he was doing it for personal gain. He was doing it in the name of religion. Jesus, look up at verse 13. He says, wide is the gate. You know what I see there? I see the law. The Pharisees had a law of 630 something commandments. Thou shalt this, thou shalt that. And they had a commandment for everything they ever did. Anything you ever thought about, they had a commandment for. And he says, wide is the gate that leadeth to destruction. What does Paul say about the law? It leads to death. Sin, Paul, the law leads to sin and sin leads to death, ultimately. The law was never brought for us to obey. <coughs> Uh-oh, shocker. You think Kenny's just lost his mind this morning, don't you? The law, I have told y'all, that God gave us the law to show us our need for a Savior. He knew that we could not do it. Jesus is the only one that came and fulfilled every jot, every tittle. That's every cross T and every dotted I of the law. Jesus is the only one that ever fulfilled it. And it's in him. So I see is this wide gate is the law of self-righteousness. The Pharisees said, oh yeah, from, the, from my birth I have kept the law. You remember that Pharisee? And Jesus got to the heart of the matter. No, he wanted what was his. He had a selfish spirit within him, even though he had kept the law of self-righteousness. Look, he says, narrow is the way. What is this narrow way? I believe it's obedience in, in Him. Look what Jesus says in verse 21. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
but he that doeth the will of my Father which is heaven. The narrow way is obedience to him. Now what does that mean? See the word Lord, Lord there can be broken down. It's Lord, Lord is a master or owner or one who controls another. So he might as well say, controller, controller. Have we not? And he said, no, wait a minute. I was never your controller. You never did the will of my father. What is the will of my father? To first love him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And to love others as you love yourself. Those are the two commandments in the New Testament pretty much. He said on, on, all, on that, all the other commandments rest. But see, we don't love one another. We don't do the will. The, the, the will of the Father is that you understand that you're a sinner and you need to be saved. And you believe that Jesus died on the cross for a sin. He rose again in three days. And he's in heaven making a place for you today. That you accept that first is the first for will of the Father for you. That you understand that, you believe that, and you confess him as Lord. The next is that you love one another. Y'all are pretty quiet there this morning. This sort of verses sort of get to you, don't they? Well, where am I at? And I'll be honest with you, for years I would read these verses and I'm like, okay, let's go to chapter 8. This is hard. I, you know, and you think about eternity. And, and But look, I'm not here to make you doubt. I'm not here to, be, to, to bring confusion. Uh, John says in 1 John 5, 9, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. I am not trying to bring doubt into your life. What I'm trying to do is help you understand a lot of churches today, our church and other churches around this country and people I see are playing a game in the name of religion. Hello, church. We're playing games in the name of religion. And it has nothing to do with Christianity. So how do I know I'm saved? John says I can know it. Well, he gives a list of things. If, if you love one another, if you say you love God, you're going to love others. If you say you love God, you're going to love your brother. Because Christ is in you. So Jesus is saying here in verse 16 and verse 20, by their fruits you will know them. Now what's a fruit? What are fruits? Let me back up a minute. Is fruits my, no, I'm, I'm there. Thought I got ahead of myself and I didn't. Are fruits the righteousness that I can do? The good things that I can do, that I can muster up. I helped a little old lady cross the street. I did this, I did that. I, I helped build the church. I come to church on Sunday morning. I walked an aisle. Let me tell you something, people. Something that really concerns me for people is that they think they can walk an aisle and say a prayer, and now I'm on my way to heaven. But there is no fruit that ever shows any changed or new life or new creation in Christ. They go out and live the same old life they ever lived. And they're living a lie that because one day I walked an aisle and I said a prayer, now I'm on my way to heaven. But there is no fruit to show for it. 
I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to make you think. I'm trying to make you think enough for your friends, for your family, for whoever that may be caught up in this lie. Yes, it's easy. If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Period. I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about working your way to heaven. But with that confession of your mouth becomes a new birth. You become a new creation. Paul deals with it through the whole New Testament. Something within you changes that you can't help when you do that. What is that? Look at uh, no, Isaiah 64, 6. What does he say about my righteous deeds? But we are all as an unclean thing. That we know, right? We're all sinners saved by grace. Look what he says on down though. And all our righteousness, all the right things that we do and we think we do for the Lord and, and all the rest, all of our righteousness in the eyes of God are as filthy rags. All our righteousness and all and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. By their fruits you will know. So let's look at fruits. Galatians, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. Let's just give an example and look at that. What is the fruits that he's talking about? So so when I am saved and I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. Uh, I am born again. I am saved. And as I've said before, He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit as an earnest of our salvation. His Spirit which lives in, in, within me reveals to me that I am saved. I am a born again. I am a new creation because the Spirit within me reveals to me God's truth. His Spirit within me convicts me of my sin. His Spirit within me uh, gives me hope. He gives me peace. He gives me joy. So the fruits, he says, by their fruits you shall know them. And now he's talking to Christians here. Listen to what he says in, in Galatians 5, 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you consume one another. Don't do that, he's saying. Don't bicker and fuss and fight. This is what the world does. If you don't think so, just turn on the TV. If you can't get a gut full from there, just go on the internet and just search, search controversy. See how many fights and arguments and it's terrible. It's depressed, downright depressing. The things that are happening where we devour one another and, and, and beat up on one another. And he says, don't do this. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. People, we can't walk around thinking, I want this, I want that. This will benefit me. And say we're walking in the Spirit. They contradict one another. Because see the Spirit of God 
God's Holy Spirit uh, points me to Jesus. And if I am pointed to Jesus, Jesus points me to the Father. That's their jobs. To glorify the Father, not myself. So if I'm walking in the flesh, it's about glorifying Kenny. It's about doing what I think should be done. It's about doing what would please me and, and bring me ultimate satisfaction. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, it's about pleasing Him and glorifying Him. There's one way you know. What is my ultimate goal in life? My own personal gain and satisfaction? Or is it for the glory of God? Whatever, you put whatever in there, whatever you do, am I bringing glory? Let me, let me move on. I know I'm running out of time. And I want you to be sure you get this this morning. But if you be led by the Spirit, verse 18, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And he gives a whole list of things. The works of the flesh. Let me tell you something. Uh, the, in this list is adultery. Uh, it's an unlawful, unlawful relations with the spouse of another, as if we needed a definition. But you might need a definition for this one. How about spiritual adultery? James says in 4.4, 4, he says that to befriend the world rather than God is adultery. To find more pleasure in the world than God is, God calls that adultery. We see it with the nation of Israel, how they would go to false gods. They would go and, and mingle with th things that God told them not to do. And he told them, you're an adulterous generation. So we can commit adultery. You know, a lot of times, oh, it's just an act of between two people out of a wedlock. Or married. I don't commit adultery, preacher. What's more important to you than God? It could be a form of adultery in God's eyes. I, mean, I know I'm, this is hard this morning. But it's going to get better, I promise. It's going to get better. He's given us this list here. So there's spiritual adultery. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 4, it says to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God is adultery. To be lovers of, of, of anything than more of God. To be lovers of, 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 of uh, the church. What? Is this more important than God? Come on, people. I love you this morning. This is very important. Uh, this message has been on my heart and mind for weeks, and I've been praying about it, and know when to deliver it, how to deliver it. Lord, let me do it in the spirit of gentleness and love and kindness because I sincerely want you to be in heaven when you stand before God. He says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in. That is my heart today. Not that anyone should perish, but everyone would understand. And it may not be here here today, but it may be some friends or family that you know that need this kind of message, needs to understand the truths of this. By our fruits, they will know them. Fornication is uh, sexual relations outside of marriage. But you know, if you look at fornication, you dig deeper in it, it's the ultimate unsatisfaction. You can't get enough. 
And I'm not talking about the sexual part. What it is that you just can't get enough of? Money? God could call that fornication against him. Houses? Job? Whatever you can't get satisfied with, God calls it fornication. See, ultimately that's what it leads to. And this, y'all are just sort of on your seats. Oh, can't believe he's even talking about this thing in church. I'm not. God is. He's spelling it out for us. I'm just telling you what the message says. How about uncleanness? Not clean. Self-explanatory. But it's unrighteousness. Lacking what is right. But ultimately, to be unclean is not responsible to anything or any standard. There's no accountability. Do we see that in our world today? There's absolutely no accountability. It's total chaos. Whatever I want to do, I do. If it feels good to me, I'm doing it. Regardless of what God says, regardless of what's right, I'm doing whatever I want to do. The Bible calls that uncleanliness. Lasciviousness. Did I add too many nesses in there? That is to be totally out of control. Shameless in, in, in conversation. Do whatever it takes to satisfy my desire. Total out of control. And it can just be in conversation. Not only in deeds. Worship of uh, idolatry is worship of false gods. Sacrifices to fall, false gods. But God calls idolatry anything. Uh, a worship is worthship. Whatever you give worth. Whatever you value more than God, God calls it idolatry. Boy, this is tough. What do we give our lives to more than God? How about witchcraft? Sorcery. Oh no, I don't go to the I don't go to the palm reader. I don't go get my fortune told. That we all think of witchcraft that way. But when you look at, I, I spent hours looking up these words because I just really, I've read over them and I, yeah, that's good, I got it. I, but I spent, I went down and just broke down each word and looked up what they were in the Greek. And not that I'm that smart, it's just that I got a good computer program that'll tell me that. Okay? So I looked these up and the vines and all the rest and Strong's Concordance, and these are the definitions I come up with. Uh, witchcraft, he says, it comes with is the word, the Greek word we get that from is where we get our word pharmacy. It's the use of a drug. The use of drugs can be considered witchcraft. Uh, the, the magicians in Paul's day often used drugs to bring about their evil effects. They would drug people to, to make them hallucinate and make them believe they were in contact with the other world. To make them uh, just ease their mind to forget the demonic power that was actually going on around them. This witchcraft. Is forbidden. Sorcery is forbidden in the Bible by God in all activities in Deuteronomy 18. How about hatred? This is enmity, the, the attitude of the mind that defies and challenges others. 
1 John 4, 20, If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? Hatred. He's given a list of all these things of the flesh. This is what comes out of me naturally. Variance, which is strife. The working out of enmity. The working out of hatred. That's what variance is. The actions from my hatred towards something, how I act in response, is variance. You ever hated somebody? Did you just want to hurt them? You wanted this oh. Let's move on. Illuminations is indignation, jealousy, rivalries. We see that in our very churches today, and it's all in the name of religion. We have rivalries in the church. Oh, I'm not going to talk to them. They hurt my feelings. They think our church ought to do this. How many churches have we seen split over rivalries? That's not of God. God said this is one body uh, under Christ, the body of Christ, that we all come together and work together and love one another to have rivalries and dispute and say, I'm going here. Benny Tate says, Look, go there. What difference does it matter which church you're not going to go to? You can laugh at that. Or not. Rivalry in the church is not of God. Rivalry in the world is not of God. Strive, self-seeking. Rivalry is the fruit of jealousy. Seditions and heresies go together. It creates division. It's self-promoting, causes others to believe untruth. Envies is a distinction. Uh, the distinction lies in, uh, in this. The envy is a desire to deprave another of what he has. Jealousy is the desire to have the same of the same sort of the, of the thing itself. So it, let me clarify that. I don't know if I even read that good. The, the envy desires to just take away from you what you have. Jealousy says, I want what you got. I want the same thing you got. Murders, I, I, I don't think we have a problem there, really. I mean, and I don't really need to explain it. I think we got that one, right? But Jesus says, if you say you hate your brother, you're just as guilty of murder. Not a very comforting list, is it? We're going to talk about it. Drunkenness, habitual intoxication, ravelings, rioting, always in an uproar. You know what I think about? Jerry Springer show. It's constant uproar and just families just at wits in and fighting. That's what the world does. Always right. And you see the thing when I don't get my way or it didn't go right or I don't think. So I'm going to destroy a whole city and break it out windows and burn police cars and all. And I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just saying that's the way the world acts. That's what rivalings are. I didn't get my way, so therefore I want revenge. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm out of control. That's the way the world does. That is the, the works of the flesh that Paul gives us here. He says, in such, 
the like of which I tell you, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, wait a minute, Brother Kenny, I'm guilty of a couple of them myself. Me too. Does that mean I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? I'm not saying we're at sinless perfection. I'm not saying we won't ever fall. You won't never have make a mistake. But the word here, those who they which do, to do is to practice a continuous action in their lifestyle. You live a lifestyle of adultery, there's a good chance you're in trouble when you stand before God. I don't well, go on down to what's, what the Holy Spirit does. Man, I'm out of time already. But please get this this morning. Please get this. Let me move on. But the fruit of the Spirit is the result. The fruit is the result of the Spirit that works in our flesh. If I am born again, God gives me His Spirit. And this fruit of the Spirit comes out of me. The fruit of the Spirit is contrary to the works of the flesh. Uh, the product of selfish desire is what the works of the flesh are. But the fruit of the Spirit is the product of one who wants to please Him. So he says the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is agape love, unconditional love, joy. I don't need to explain these a whole lot. You know what the inward peace and sufficiency is not affected by outward circumstances. Peace. Peace of God which passes all understanding. You're going through a difficult time. You say, how can you just sit there? How can you just be so peaceful about when you're in such turmoil? That's God. That's His Spirit within me revealing that He's in me. I know who I uh, uh, believe and I know my Redeemer lives. I know He's in control. I have peace within my heart. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, that's courageous endurance without quitting. Gentleness is kindness. Goodness is love and action. Faith is to put trust in or believe in, a, in, in the faithfulness of another. Meekness is power under control. See, people want to, you know, Jesus was meek and lowly. That didn't mean he was a sissy. He just knew when and when not to use his power. That's meekness. Meekness under control. Temperance is self-control. He says, against there is no law. And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. That's a little more encouraging, right? I don't practice this other list. I may fall short. I may have been mad at somebody. I may have envied someone one day, but it's not my lifestyle. It's not the life I live. And when I do these things, guess what? Something within me convicts me of that and tells me that that's not right and that's sin. Guess what that something is? God's Holy Spirit. Because my flesh is not going to convict me of that. We see that in the world. But God's Spirit will. There is a promise that I am saved. And when I stand before Him, He'll say, come on in. But there's some that struggle with that. The contrast between works, 
religion, and the fruits of, of the Spirit or Christianity is important. See, a machine can produce or it, it works. It turns out a product, but it can't never manufacture fruit. Why? Because fruit has to come from something living. Do you understand that? Something that lives within me, God's Holy Spirit, a, a new life that I have been giving, and this fruit flows out of that. I'm not manufacturing it because I think I'm trying to bring access to God, and that's another thing. Religion wants to bring me to God. Christianity says God came to me. Isn't that why I was a sinner? Christ died for me. He gave himself for me. That's the God I love. That's the God I serve. That's Christianity at its core. It was God's plan to come to me. I didn't have to try to come to him. He drew me. And you are quiet this morning. See, our fruit must grow out of a life within us. The life of the Holy Spirit. In verse 25, we read that, that the life of the Spirit is the life of the fruit that comes without us, with, from without us. The flesh or the work or the religion produces dead works because it's going by a law. But the spirit produces living fruit, the fruit that is a seed to bring forth more fruit. See, that was established in Genesis 1:11, a seed that would bring forth more fruit. Uh, love begets love and joy produces more joy. But religion doesn't produce that. Works never produces that. See, Jesus is very concerned that we produce fruit and more fruit and more fruit. John 15, 2 through 5, because this is the way that we glorify Him. The old nature cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. Only a new nature can do that. So if you read this list and you say, yeah, this is not my lifestyle, and, and yeah, I do love others, and ultimately I do want to serve Him and glorify Him, you're probably okay. <laughs> More than I, I, don't, I, don't, I say probably, I don't know. That's between you and God. But I'm talking to the ones that's just, that's just uh, uh, this is all just a religious thing and something I do because it's Sunday morning and there's no life in there. There's no God-giving life. It's just something I feel like I should do to gain access or be accepted by God. That's religion, people. See, God loves you just where you are, just the way you are. All he wants is obedience. 2 Corinthians 5, and I'll, I'll close there. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. Listen to this. Who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. It was God that came to me. Salvation is God's plan. Religion says I've got to get close to God. Christianity says God came to me. 
and he loved me right where I was. And he said, if we are therefore Christians, we're reconciled to God, guess what? Now we are ambassadors for Christ, for God. Official representatives of God. We represent by the fruit that we bear. By the life that is in us that produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Makes us official representatives of a loving God. And many, many times, like my friend who thinks religion is just something man-made to control and manipulate man for selfish gain, he's right. That's what religion is. But Christianity says God loves you. God accepts you right where you are. Christ died for you. And if you'll just trust him as your personal savior, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. And with that eternal life comes a new life and a Holy Spirit within you that bears forth living fruit, not production, works. See, people, it's not about us. This church is not about me. It's not about you. What I do in my daily life is not about me. Ultimately, it's about serving the living God who loves us and gave himself for 